Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. It's fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Attention all basketball fans. CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for... It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the tagger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio, and we had a great game last night in the Western Conference Finals as the Phoenix Suns beat the Los Angeles Clippers uh, 104-103. The Suns now lead that series uh, two games to none. Obviously, you know, in this series, the two key players two key players are out, Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul, but a great game last night. I mean, uh, I thought at a point, I thought with about a minute 30 to go when Cameron Payne hit that three, I thought the Suns had it. When they were up 195, I thought the Suns had it. Then Luke Kennard made a jump shot, and then – that offensive foul on Devin Booker, that made the game interesting because Paul George made those two free throws. Uh, Zubox blocked Cameron Payne. Paul George made that two-point shot to put the to put the, uh, put the Clippers up one. Then uh, Devin Booker made a shot, put, put the Suns up one. Paul George again comes through, put, uh, makes a shot, uh, and makes it 103-102. And then uh, and, and then uh, the, the, uh, the Clippers get the ball back. Uh, uh, let me let – me, uh, Cameron, uh, what? Uh, uh, they got the yeah. I think the Suns got the ball back. I think it was Payne that missed a shot. And then uh, Paul George gets fouled. And at that point, I yeah, thought the game was over. I thought at that point yeah. where uh, Paul George uh, got fouled, I thought the game was over there. I thought the game was over there. But then he misses the two free throws, uh, and then that just set the scene. You know, with the with the with the, sec- with the second to go, an un- a great pass by Jay Crowder. Uh, DeAndre Ayton with the dunk, and that wins the game for the Suns. The Suns go up 2-0, crushing blow for the Clippers, uh, and uh, it was just it was just a, it was a great game all around. I mean, it wasn't Devin Booker's best game, it wasn't Paul George's best game from three, but Cameron Payne was the guy who stepped up for the Suns last night with 29 points. Uh, Paul George, he did what he could with 26, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, Booker and Payne led the Suns to go up 2-0. Justin, your thoughts from last night? Yeah, you know, I was a great game, and the Clippers kind of, you know, gift wrapped them the game. Um, you know, you got to make three throws on the stretch. Uh, George missed those two, and then coming off that um, that amazing, you know, pass by Crowder to Aiden for the alley oop, 
cousin just kind of stands there with his hands up, you know, jump, go, go take it, you know, go attempt to go block it or something. Um, that was an amazing pass by Jay Crowder. Um, the Clippers struggled trying to guard, keeping Cameron Payne in front of him. His quickness really bothered the Clippers. DeAndre, DeAndre Aiden's been great. Um, he, you know, he 24 and 14 last night. He's been a beast down low. You know, look, Booker was not great. You know, the Suns did not. I think the Suns hit one or two three-pointers in the second half. They were able to do enough to survive. Um, it was a great game. And, again, the Clippers just let another one slip away. Um, I know, that, you know, the Sunday I gave them another shot. But the Suns found a way to win this game. The Clippers kind of, um, you know, yeah, kind of um, – let, let it this one slip away. And we got a comment from Hector. Clippers got them right where they want them, down 0-2. But it's not over. And Hector's right about that. It's not over. Because we've seen the Clippers. They've been competitive in this series. They, they, uh, they, they The Suns won the first two games, but the Clippers were competitive. And uh, if the Clippers – I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul is out, if the Clippers won the, won the two games in Los Angeles. I mean, they were close to winning last night. Paul George has played really well. Yes, he had that – he had that moment last night where he needed to come through. He needed to come through and hit those free throws, and he did. That that needs to happen if he wants to be a great player. If he wants to be an elite player in this league. That's what's holding him back. I mean, he's got to hit those free throws. But uh, but the Clippers, they definitely competed last night. And Hector's definitely right. It isn't over right now. No, it's definitely not. Because in all three series, the Clippers have been down 2-0. Or, yeah, down 2-0. You know, this is not a, um, you know, this is something that they've gone and been through and kind of know how to – um, come back, you know. Look, I know we we're not the biggest Ty Ty uh, Tyron Lue fans, but he's made some adjustments going into game and game game four that have kind of helped this team out. I would assume he kind of makes those same types of adjustments and, and help the Clippers, yeah, get back in the series, especially going back to LA. I think Paul, I guess, is a game time decision. But um, look, at one point or another, you can't keep digging yourself in the, out in a hole and expecting to get out of it. Um, yeah, the Clippers are in familiar territory, but again, they 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 better be careful because this Suns team, um, you know, they're playing well. Yeah, I mean, they definitely are. Even when, I mean, Cameron Payne was huge last night stepping up. That was huge having those twenty nine points because it was not the obviously it was not the best night for Devin Booker. DeAndre, and he's been so good this postseason. Yeah. He's been out all three series. He's been outstanding. He's been a great, a huge, a great big man for that team. Devin Booker has proved, he proved it in game one. He's a top 15 player in this league. Argue, and I'll ask you the question. Do you think Devin Booker is a top 10 player in this league? I have him in the top 15 for right now. Um, I, I'll, my, like my 10 ahead of him right now are Durant, Kawhi, LeBron, Harden, Shokic, um, Giannis at six, Lillard seven, A. Curry, Luka nine, 10 Embiid. Uh, you know, I put him in that top 15 category with like Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie. Like I, I put him in that category that he's he is close to breaking, you know, get, you know, getting into the top 10, but he's just not there yet. Look, he's very close and he's going to absolutely be there one day, but just not yet. Even though I know, yeah, last night he had an off night, but game one, um, being at the triple double was an unbelievable game with but. forty points. That's a real triple yeah. double. It's not a fake Russell Westbrook triple double. That's a real triple double. Forty <laughs> points in a conference finals game. That's a real triple yeah. double right there. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, a- absolutely. In a big game, big you know, big spot, forty points. Um, yeah. So I have Booker kind of just just off of that mark, but he will absolutely be there very very soon. Now we've discussed it with you and, and Hector. Can the Clippers come down? Uh, are, are the Clip, can the Clippers come back and down 0-2? Yes, they can. 
now I want to ask you, though, what needs to happen for them to come back? In my opinion, say, assume Kawhi doesn't come back. Obviously, Paul George has got to keep playing better. Reggie Jackson played well. But they need to get more out of Marcus Morris. He's been a huge key for this team. He was great in, in, game, in, game, five, in game six of that series against the Jazz. And in game five and game six of those series against the Jazz. He was outstanding in game seven against the, against the Mavericks. But throughout the postseason, he's been inconsistent. They need Marcus Morris to be more consistent. And also, they need Terrence Mann to step up. Terrence Mann was great in uh, was great in Game Six, but he hasn't been great in the first two games of the series. They also need Terrence Mann to step up. And you're, uh, that's my opinion. What I think the Clippers need to do to, to win this to come back in the series, Justin. What do you think the Clippers need to do to come back and win this series? Yeah, I agree with you about Morris. Yeah, because it seems like if Morris is on, the Clippers find you know win that game. If Morris is off, they they really struggled. Yeah, so I'm with you. They definitely need some other guys to step up. You know, like Zubac gave you a double double last night. Um, I think for the song or for the Clippers to be able to come back in the series, um, I think another key last night why they lost the game was free throw shooting. Um, I know eight, you know, they went eight for twenty four, it's pretty good. The Suns went sixteen for eighteen. They only missed two. Uh, you know, you hit two more, you win that game. Um, another thing for the Clippers is trying to find a way. They keep paying away from the back because he just kept driving on. I know he he shot eight threes. He couldn't make them, or he was two for eight, struggled. Uh, but I think defensively on Cameron Payne, finding somebody quick enough to keep him away from the basket because, you know, I think Phoenix, they're smart. They, you know, he can keep driving on them. Uh, you know, he's going to probably draw a couple of fouls. Um, you know, if, if Cameron Payne gets to the bucket that easily in game three and game four and beyond – the Clippers have a tough time winning this game. They did a good job on Booker. They also got to try to find a way to slow down DeAndre and somehow um, he's kind of been a beast in this series. You know, Zubac played well, but not really great defensively on Aiton. And Aiton, too, you know, I know he's a first all pick in that 2018 draft, and he really goes under the shadow of Luka and Trey Young, and he does not give as much, you know, and I know it's style. It's not what it should be right now in the NBA because he's not a three-point shooter, but he's been a beast down low. The Clippers have to find a way as well to, to slow him down um, because he's he's been a pain for him. Absolutely, absolutely. And he's just been great all postseason. I feel like the Clippers are going to have trouble uh, slowing him down. I, I think I think that's what's going to happen. And it's tough to predict this series. You don't know who's going to play and who's not going to play. But right now, I did have Clippers in six to start. But I'm probably gonna have to change it. I'm I'm probably gonna go with Suns and six now. I think that I think the Clippers do win the two games in LA, but I think the Suns win game five. I think the Suns win game six. I just think they're not gonna be able to stop DeAndre Ayton. And I feel like Devin Booker's gonna score 20 points a game in the series. And really outside of Paul George, where's the consistent score? If the Kawhi doesn't come back, where's the consistent score for the Clippers? There's not a consistent score. The Suns, I feel like the way Ayton's been playing, they have two consistent scores now. They got uh they got uh Devin Booker and they got DeAndre Ayton. So I, I feel like right now I'm going to change my prediction. I ha- originally had Clippers and six. I'm going to now go Suns and six. Yeah, I got Suns and um, six as well. I think the Suns, pro- get, you know, um, I think Suns probably do get a split here. They go back to Phoenix, find a way to win game five, and Phoenix finishes on the road. Uh, I'm with you. I just don't think that LA's going to find any answers for Aiden, especially if they get Chris Paul back with Booker the way he's been playing in Aiden. I just think that three-headed monster, and then you get 10, 15 points for Cameron Payne. This, this Suns team, it's, they're going to be tough to beat. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think they were better than we thought. I think the biggest thing with the Suns going to the postseason, we were like, oh, they really don't have a second score outside of Devin Booker. What we've learned in this postseason is Chris Paul's leadership has been very crucial to this team. And it was a big reason why they got to the conference finals. And DeAndre Ayton has really, really stepped up in the playoffs. He's really proved. Yeah. Do I think was he worth the number one pick? Should he have taken like a Luka Doncic or maybe a Trey Young over him? Probably. But he's proved that he's a a, a one of the you know that he has potential to be one of the top centers in this league. And if you pair him with Devin Booker, it, 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 to have that inside out game is going to make the Suns a title contender for years to come. Absolutely, him and Ayton. Yeah, that, that that's going to be a great future of those two. Yeah, I know, you know, probably not the flashiest, not the flashiest with, yeah, Trey Young and then and, um, um, Luka Doncic. But, yeah, they, you know, it's turning a good pick. He's going to turn, yeah, the one of the best centers in, in the NBA. Um, I, I was hoping on draft night for a miracle in the Suns and take Bagley. And the, he ate and would drop down to Sacramento. Oh, your Kings you know, blew it. So, your Kings, man. You could have oh. had, Tra- you know, yeah, you could have had Luka Doncic, man. And, and even Trey Young, right? He's got the number two yep. pick. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Pick. Look at that draft. DeAndre Ayton, Trey Young, and Luka Doncic in, in one draft, and you guys end up with Marvin Bagley. Only Kings would mess that up. Only the yep, only the Kings would. Only the Kings, my man. Yeah. Only the Kings. Yeah, it's tough. Tough to watch. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm happy for Ayton. I liked him coming out of Arizona. So, you know, he's been playing well. I love watching him play. Yeah, yeah, Aiton's done done a really good job, and the Suns are in a great position to get to the NBA Finals. But we got to get to the other series, and that was between the Hawks and the Bucks, and that starts tonight uh, at eight thirty. And I think, I think, you know, I hate to say this, no disrespect to the Atlanta Hawks, they've had a great year, but I really feel like Philadelphia lost that series more than the Hawks won that series. And in, 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 in the conference semifinals, I think, you know, having an 18 point leading game four, we'll get to Philly, having an 18 point leading game four, have a, to a 26 point leading game five. And then, uh, then in games, then losing game seven at home. I feel like Philly lost that series more than Atlanta won it. And in this series, I think the Bucks after that win over the Nets, I know the Nets weren't hundred percent, but you know, I think they're motivated to get to the NBA finals. It's their second trip to the conference finals in three years. I think this is the year Giannis gets, gets to the, gets the NBA, gets to the NBA finals. I feel like the Hawks really have no, answer for Giannis. I think Giannis is going to go crazy in this series. I think he's, he's, he's going to have some have some big games. And I think obviously the, the role players are going to help too. The Middletons, the Lopez, the Holidays, they're going to they're going to help out too. And I think, you know, Trey Young, yes, Trey Young has had a great year. He's the top 15 player, but I think the lack of experience with the Hawks is going to show up in this series. I I think that Trey Young's going to have some he's going to, he's going to have some good games. He's going to have some big games, but I think he's going to have some rough games. Bagdanovich is not healthy. Uh and John Collins, we know, is a little bit is, is is inconsistent. I mean, the biggest key for the, in my opinion, the biggest key for the Hawks is the one one place where they got the advantage in the series is their bench. They need Gal Alinari to have a huge series to have any chance of winning because that gives them some bench points. They need Gal Alinari to have a big series, and they need uh, Hunter to keep playing well too. Kevin, I mean, he had a, he had a great game seven. They need him to play well too. So Hunter's got to play well, and Gallinari's got to play well for the Hawks to be competitive in this series. I got the I got the Bucks in five, but Justin. What do the Hawks have to do to be competitive in this series, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, I agree with your points. With I think, yeah, I think they're going to struggle against Giannis. I think John um, Collins isn't physical enough. I don't think he's athletic enough to guard Giannis. Clint Capel, I think, could play physical with him and be good down on the block, but I don't think he can kind of, um, you know, outside on that drive, I don't think he's going to be able to slow down Giannis. And, you know, he's just not athletic enough be able to kind of slow him down. So I, I think Giannis would be able to dominate this, dominate. And I so I think for the Hawks, 
early on in the game, they cannot let Middleton, Holiday, Lopez, those guys knock down shots because I think if they do and the Bucks are be able to get a big lead and, you know, they're kind of firing off cylinders, they're going to be tough to stop. And we kind of saw at the Hawks, yeah, there's some inconsistency there. When they're on, they're on. But at, at times, you know, they'll go three for 20 and have those types of stretches, and you're not going to be able to have that. Even against a Milwaukee team that's struggled offensively for most of the playoffs, I still think defensively, I think Atlanta's really, really going to struggle in this. Um, and for the Hawks, they're going to need a healthy Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, they're going to need Gallinari to sh- knock down shots. They may get Cam Reddish back, but again, how you know? Does that really does that really on. matter? That's the thing. Does that really no. matter? No, it could be a nice depth depth piece, but other you know, um, I think Hawks, you know, um, they're going to need a couple of those guys to really step up and knock down shots to help help Trey Young. Um, I think for Atlanta too, you have the coaching advantage because Milwaukee's a team too. Let's remember those first two games against the Nets when they were healthy. They had no business being on the same floor with them. You know, the Bucs kind of blew a couple games that series, too. The Bucs are another team that, again, they you know, they tend to try to lose some games. So, you know, I think Atlanta could take advantage of that and may probably steal a couple games. But other than that, I just – I have a tough time seeing Atlanta, you know, um, knock it off Milwaukee. I think Giannis is just so motivated right now. I think he had a big game seven. I think I know that the free throw shooting is a problem. He's not a great three point shooter, but he's the best player in the league getting to the basket. This is his. This is just now that they've beaten the Nets. This is his year to get to the finals, and I think he takes full advantage of it. I think he takes full advantage of it. I don't think they lose a home game in the series. I don't think the Bucks lose a home game. I think they win all three of their home games. And then let's be honest: in the series with 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 the Hawks with the Hawks against the Sixers with the Hawks, they lost. Uh, they lost two games on their on their home floor, and they got lost two games. They, they lost one game pretty lot. It was they lost they lost they lost one game in a blowout. They lost one game by I think over fifteen points in game three, and then they lost a, cl- a closeout game at home. So, as much as I respect this, respect the Hawks, in my opinion, they don't belong in the conference finals. They they just don't. I mean, and they, yes, this is a team with Trey Young. They're on the rise, but they're not close to being. I, I know they're in the conference finals. But they're not close to being. A team that could, I honestly think, a team that could win a championship. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, when 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 a team blows a, on the other team blows a 26 point lead, an 18 point lead, and then loses a game seven on their home floor, it's more about that team than it is about the team that won. No disrespect to the Hawks, but as I will always say, the Sixers lost that series more than the Hawks won it. Oh, absolutely, I agree with you. The Sixers just absolutely just tried every way to lose that series, and they absolutely did. Um, Yeah, I'm with you because then you know. And then you go back to kind of when they played the Knicks. The Knicks were a team that had a great regular season, but we saw the flaws in the Knicks as well this year. So they kind of – the Hawks, credit to them. They t- they taken advantage of it. But, yeah, it's – they definitely – the Sixers lost that series more than the Hawks deserved to win it. I, I absolutely agree with you. It's a team that's on the rise. It's a team that's, you know, again, getting a lot of respect around the league. But, yeah, the way Milwaukee just came off the series – uh, against Brooklyn, you know, nobody really, I didn't think they had a shot after the way they lost game five. I, I thought there's, I thought even the way, you know, the Nets were going to figure out a way to win game six or seven. They didn't. Um, yeah. I think Giannis is out here finally trying to get that ring and, you know, he know he sees the opportunity now and it's, you know, right. right you know, um, they're one step away. And now yeah, I, I think the Bucks do get them in probably six games. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you say six, I say five. I just think that uh, I did think that Giannis is just so motivated. So I got the Bucks winning five. Justin has him winning six. We'll see what happens in that series. But we got to talk about the team that lost in the conference semifinals to the Hawks. That's the Philadelphia 76ers. And right now, they, they are a mess right now. I mean, yes, they had a really good regular season, but Ben Simmons, are you kidding me? You are wide open. You would get a you have pretty much have a, a wide open layup, and then you pass the ball off. And then Joel MB calls him out after the game. Doc Rivers says, you know, I'm not sure if he could be a, be a starting point guard, be our, be our point guard. And then, you know, you know, Doc backtracks and says, oh, you know, we're work, we have a plan to fix Ben Simmons. Right now, I just don't see there being a plan to fix Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. This guy has been completely overrated. Yes, he's good defensively, but his offensive game is, is let's let's be real. It's, for what for the for what the expectations that, that Simmons had, it's absolutely terrible. He can't he can't shoot threes. Uh, he really can't shoot in general. It's just it's just to a point where I think Philadelphia. I know they gave him that max deal, which was a huge mistake to give Ben Simmons a max deal. Huge mistake. And I, I think at this point, Philly has no choice than to trade him, but. Who's going to want him? That's the thing right now. He might be untradeable for the way he's playing. And, Justin, the question I got for you is, is there a way you can fix Ben Simmons? I think there can be because all the flaws that he has are all fixable. The free throw shooting, the three-point shooting, it's all, you know, the mental part of it for him. It's all fixable. He's got, you know, that's the thing. It is fixable. The thing is, can he do it? I think it was after game three or game four. He's like, yeah, I'm going to play more. Uh, more aggressive in the fourth quarter. He did the opposite. He didn't take a shot after uh, in the fourth quarter, like after game three. He got even worse. And the one thing, too, about free throw shooting is, you can say, is that is the one thing in all in every sport. You have you don't have to have any ounce of athletic ability to shoot a free throw. And that's why I can't stand when guys miss, miss so many because it's, you know, it's so easy. I know you're not going to shoot 100%, but the way he shoots it, you know, again, I, you know, in close games when I played basketball or any sport, I try to just train myself, you know, mentally, like it's a tight, you know, it's a tie game five minutes into the game. I know, obviously, I didn't play the magnitude of it, of, you know, what you have a conference semifinals, but still I tried, you know, you just, you know, then you start thinking about it. And I think he's, unfortunately, I think he's just a, it's a big mental case for him right now. And if he can get that out of the way, he's got all the talent at six time point point guard. He's got all the talent, but he never learned a jump shot. It's it's almost because we thought it was rookie year that oh this guy's going to be amazing. If he gets a jump shot, it's over. He's going to be a top ten player. This guy's refused to learn a jump shot, and, and he can't even he can't come close to shooting any threes. It's just it's so bad. It's so terrible. And 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 it's it's just it's such a disappointment because and it just shows you the process has completely failed with the Sixers. Really outside of Embiid. That's it. I mean, yeah, going out and you know, drafting Ben Simmons, Jaleel Okafor, uh, 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 for Markel Fultz. It's, it's all just went downhill. The process was a total failure for this team. Them tanking games for three years, trust the process, total failure for the Sixers. And it proved in, and, and, and they proved that in game five. And I mean, in game, in game five and game seven, just how this process was a complete failure. Oh, absolutely. It, it absolutely was. And, you know, the other one too, you know, Jimmy Butler, they didn't re-sign him. They, you know, they, you know, they let him walk and they kept Simmons. Again, that's going to be a big, you know, I know Jimmy Butler had a down year, but still, you know, Jimmy Butler now is a better player than Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is. So yeah, it, you know, it's just been a lot of failure. And after, you know, kind of, yeah, trust it all. And it, it, 
you know, it, again, it got only one seed, but not much, not much else. And, you know, Embiid's been great, but again, you kind of saw it, third, fourth quarter, he wears down and it's tough for him to lead a team for 48 minutes as a, as a big guy, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't have like the same stamina as, you know, some of these other guys. No, no, no. And, and I think it shows you too, as good as Embiid is, and I've said this all year, you cannot win a championship with the best player being your being a center in this league. You just can't do it. It's too much of a guard-oriented league. You can't win a championship. You see what happened with the Nuggets with uh with with Joe Kitch. You see it with the Sixers, with Embiid. You can't win a championship with the, with the best player being a center. And I listen to tell you, Jace, and I'll tell you, Jace, I was right about that. That's the one thing I was definitely right about this year. Yeah, no, I again and you know, I've always loved centers, and again, I you know, hate to agree, but yeah, you, you know, you're right about that. It's just it's a different. It's a different league. I think Jokic. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Is the only one possible I think can do it because he's just so unique. But it's still tough. And you know, yeah, it's you know, I know he shoots threes, but again, not a great clip. It's okay, but yeah, you know, you gotta have more around. And when it's you know, him and Simmons, and then. Tobias Harris, who really, really was not great in the series, and they really needed more from him. And when that's kind of your big three right there, you know, and outside of Embiid, you don't really have much scoring. You know, when Harris is off like he was, and Simmons, who doesn't take a shot in the fourth quarter, your second best player, you you got no shot. And, yeah, you know, I think the Sixers need another star with Embiid, but, you know, who knows who that's going to be. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, that's that's the thing. They really that's why I wasn't high on this team. They really had one superstar, and that's Joel Embiid. And the superstar was a center. That's why I wasn't even I wasn't even higher on this team because they were clearly worse than the Bucks and the Nets when healthy. There's no doubt about that. Oh yeah, absolutely, they were, and you know they were yeah they were fraudulent at times, and yeah when they don't you know um, yeah without Embiid they were, and you know look if the Nets and Bucks or if the Nets you know didn't rest guys and kind of the injuries and, and Kyrie played most of the games, you know, you know, they sat out from, yeah, the Bucks. I mean, the Nets are probably the one seed. Yeah. The Sixers could have been like the three seed and yeah, it's a, it's a different story. And yeah, it's a team that's, you know, you know, has come a long way from where they were from tanking and all that, but you know, it really hasn't gotten it to where the fans want. And we know Philly fans, you know, they are, you know, they, they're diehard everything. And, you know, when things go bad like that, it's, you know, it, it ain't pretty around there. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what the Sixers do. Um, we'll see what the Sixers end up doing uh, going forward. But the draft lottery was last night, and uh, the Detroit Pistons got the first pick. Uh, the Orlando, the Houston, we'll do, we'll do, we got the top five. The Pistons get the first one, Rockets second pick, Cavaliers third. Raptors fourth. Hey, Raptors got a big break getting number four pick. Yeah. That was a huge one. The Raptors won the lottery. The Magic were one of, Magic were definitely one of the losers, and I think the Oklahoma City Thunder were a humongous loser. Yeah. Being after tanking this year and getting number the number six pick, yeah. I know they got a ton of first round picks, but I just don't see if you get the number six pick, you're not seeing superstars come to that team. But Justin, I will give us our top five picks and what we think are right now. They're not a mock draft, but we think are just just to have content for this show. We want to just give our top five picks right now. And first for the for the for the Pistons, I think it's pretty obvious they're going. Uh, they're definitely going uh, to Cade Cunningham. This will be the this could very easily be the franchise changing player this organization needs. This organization has really struggled 
uh, over the last couple of years. And this is the guy, the point guard, the 6'8 point guard, very, hearing a lot of similarities to Luka Doncic. This is the guy the Pistons need to take at number one. And Justin, your number one pick is probably the same as mine. Oh, absolutely. Kate Cunningham, the star from Oklahoma State, the 6'8 point guard, special talent, unselfish player. Yeah, Detroit needs a guard. They, you know, they, they need a lot of everything, but Kate Cunningham's a very good start. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Without question. For the Rockets, number two, this was a tough one between Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley. But, and I'm not a centers guy, but I'm going to go with the upside. Oh, here's, here's a comment from Hector. We got uh, Cunningham would be a good fit with Detroit. He's got, he has a positive impact on defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball. He can run, pick, and roll, and he could pull up and he could hit threes. And that's why I love that comment by Hector. He could hit threes. And that's what you need from a superstar. That's what you need from a franchise player. That's what that, and I think Kate Cunningham could definitely do that. He, he might be the first Detroit Pistons superstar. And I'm not even exaggerating. Probably, if you want to consider Grant Hill, maybe Grant Hill, but maybe even since Isaiah Thomas. I mean, he keep has potential to be that because you remember that Pistons team that won the championship in 2004 with with uh, with Ben. I know Ben Wallace is a Hall of Famer, but, but with Ben Wallace, with uh, Tayshawn Prince, with Chauncey Billup, with the our, our uh, the Yukon the Yukon star Richard Hamilton, that team didn't have really a true superstar. Probably the one NBA team team in NBA history that doesn't have a true superstar. So. You know, I, I love that comment from Hector saying he could play defense and he could hit threes. So, and I th- that's why I think this guy is by far, by far the guy who was the most upside in this draft. Oh, absolutely. You know, again, yeah, you can't, you know, you can't, um, you can't pass on a guy like this, six to eight, that, yeah, he can shoot threes, you know, a couple of inches small defensive, but yeah, he it just, it's so unique. You know, Hector's absolutely right. Um, he does everything well, you know. I know we kind of struggled in that you know NCAA tournament game, but again, that I think that was just a blimp on the screen. Um, he had a, he had a great year, and I thought he made that whole Oklahoma State team better because I didn't think they were great on paper, but I, I thought he lifted up that whole team. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Number two overall, it was tough for me between uh, Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley, and I know a lot of people are going to want Jalen Suggs in that spot because of that NCAA tournament and that huge shot he hit. But I'm going to go with Evan Mobley because he is a big and he's versatile. He could shoot threes. He could. He could. He, he's. He's. I think he's got more upside, at, but more potential. You know, I'm not a big centers guy. He's got more potential to be great than Jalen Suggs. So I'm going to go Evan Mobley, number two overall, the Rockets. What do you got, Justin? Yeah, I'm with you. I got Mobley. I think. I think he is the second best player in the draft behind Kate Cunningham. I do think he's a bit better than Suggs and Brown uh, or Green. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I think the one thing with Mobley is he's got to be more physical. You know, I, again, I still point back to that UConn game when they played down in Mohegan, and I thought Josh Carlton was kind of you know throwing his body around and giving him problems. And then you know, again, that's that's like that's the only really thing because yeah, he's athletic for size. He, he's got a nice shot. Um, you know, I I've seen the pro comparison to Chris Bosh, and again, I I think Houston will take that any day of the week. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Even though I wasn't the biggest Chris Bosh guy in his when he was in Miami, yeah, you definitely take that and take oh, that kind of player. Oh, absolutely! You know, because that, you know that, for that, sure he'll be a guy that that'll score. You know, t- average twenty a night. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, he may not be a, he, and he may not be a top ten player, but he'll average twenty a night. You know, that, and, and and really in this yeah. draft, that's what, that's pretty much what you want. Because I feel like Kate Cunningham is the only true superstar coming out of this draft. Yeah, so I think. Suggs and um, Jalen Green have the tools, but I, I think you know uh, 
you know, that it, they may be a few years away from, yeah, becoming that true superstar. Because yeah, I think Mobley, yeah, I think Mobley's a guy that can average 20, 10 a night. And he's not a bad passer either because, you know, he did a lot. You know, if he got double teamed, I thought he was a pretty good passer getting out of the double team. So I need the guy, too, that can rack up a, a few assists as well. Absolutely. 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 With the number three overall pick, that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Cavaliers, I know they had a bad year, but they always get lucky in the lottery. They always get these high picks. They always, always get lucky, even though sometimes they completely blow it and, and draft uh, and draft Anthony Bennett. They seem to always get these high picks. And with that pick, I'm, I'm going, I know they got a lot of guards. They got Garland and they got Sexton, but I don't think they, at this point they could pass up on Jalen Suggs. I got them taking Jalen Suggs, number three overall. I, obviously, he had a great year at Gonzaga. I mean, he's got, if, with him and Sexton in that backcourt, I think that could be one of the top backcourts in the game, in the, in the game in the next, you know, five to six years. And, you know, you need guard play in this league. And I think Suggs and, and, and Sexton being together is going to be a really good combination there. So with the number three pick, I'm going with Jalen Suggs. Justin, who do you got? Yeah, I, I agree with you again. I was going back and forth between him and Jalen Green. Um, but I think Suggs, the way you play in the tournament, um, I know, you know, Sometimes that these the guys that get do get in the NCAA that play in the NCA kind of go before some of these G League guys in a tight spot like this. So I think Jalen um Suggs is all I think his game translates to the NBA. His quickness, um, yeah, we saw in the tournament, just clutch shots. Um, his quickness. I think you know, um with him and Sexton in that backcourt in Cleveland and Garland, who had a pretty good year. Um, I think Hopefully, he can change the tide. And I think the Cavaliers can be a very interesting team to watch. Oh, absolutely. 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 So, with the number four overall pick, and here's a big this team really won on the lottery because let's, let's, let's be real. The circumstances with COVID with the Toronto Raptors, I think, affected their season. The fact that, you know, they had to play in Tampa, they never were at home. They basically were playing on the road all year. They were living out of hotel rooms pretty much for. For for five for uh, five months that that really that really can affect you that really can affect a team and I think this team got a huge break in the number four overall pick and with this pick I'm I'm going with Jalen Green I'm going with Jalen Green and, and imagine this this big three Fred Van Van Fleet Green and Siakam if one of those guys can become a superstar and then you got two solid players this team will be back in contention this year was a down year for the for the Raptors I think because I know I know they weren't a, a great team but don't forget. The year before, they were the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. This year, this year was a down year due to the COVID, due to what happened due to what happened with COVID. They were the biggest winner in the draft lottery, getting the number four pick, and I got them taking Jalen Green. Yeah, me too. I got Jalen Green. That I thought it was ridiculous. I was I was not happy when I saw the Raptors won this thing because you know they they have some talent. You know, Jalen Green's gonna fill in for Kyle Kyle Lowry. He's gonna fill that spot very well. He's an explosive player. Um, he played really well in that G League kind of bubble that they had down there. Uh, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. Um, you know, I think, yeah, the big, you know, um, with him, friendly and Siakam, I think could be, you know, Toronto again, they're going to be right back up there battling in the Easter conference once again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now with the number five pick, you're going to have to help me with this guy, this guy's name. You do not, it's, it's kind of, it's, he's a guy, another G league player. I got them. I got the magic getting from Congo. Uh, I think, it's, look at, I look him. at, yeah. It, look Jonathan at what Kuma guy, where I believe it's pronounced. Okay, because uh, you know, you look at the Magic, their guard play 
I mean, saying if there is a strength in the team, because they pretty much traded their whole team at the trade deadline, getting rid of Vucicic, Gordon, and Fournier. Uh, if, if there is a strength, it's, it's, it's Cole Anthony, who they drafted last year, and RJ Hampton, who they drafted last year. So their guard play is probably their strength, if there is a strength in the team. So, But I think they need to get a, a solid wing, and I think Jonathan, whatever it was, like, Kumagaya or something, I think this will be this could potentially be the guy that could help this help, help this Magic team in the future. Yeah, I got the same pick as you, Jonathan. Um, Kumagaya, I was going back and forth to him and Scotty Barnes, Burns. I'm hoping Scotty Burns – Drops at number nine, but I don't think it's happening. Uh, but yeah, he's an he's a very athletic forward. He's got the frame. He's got all the tools to um, be a really good player. He's got to fix his jump shot. It's not great, and he's got to play hard on both ends of the floor. At times, he kind of gets you know somewhat lazy. Um, but he's got all the tools. He's kind of just needs somebody to kind of push him and, and fix his shot. And I think he's going to be a phenomenal player um, in the NBA. Uh, yeah, yep, very as it can be. Obviously, the draft is July 29th, so we'll definitely be hitting that after the NBA playoffs, but last night being the draft lottery. And obviously, as we can agree on this, the biggest winner is the Raptors getting the number four pick, and the biggest loser is obviously the Oklahoma City Thunder getting the number six pick. Yeah, absolutely. Raptors, you know, again, team everyone thought was going to be back in the playoffs this year. It, yeah, it just the not playing in Toronto really hurt them. And, yeah, OKC talked the year, you know, and, yeah, to get the six pick, yeah, they have three draft tw- – Three first round draft picks, but yeah, kind of hoping maybe they get Kate Cunningham, but you know, not gonna not gonna be able to. And let you know they could try to trade all three picks and go get them, but you know, who knows what their plan is? Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But we have a, we've had a big busy week in Major League Baseball. You know, we got we got the Yanks and Sox going out this weekend. We you know, we had a lot of controversy last night. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. Baseball with the Bard, every Sunday, 11 o'clock. Make sure you listen this week uh, because we got the the Yankees and Red Sox going at it. Uh, They'll be talking about those two games. Obviously, MLB enforcing this new rule on foreign substances. And it's right right before the Yankee-Red Sox game on Sunday. So make sure you're listening to Baseball with the Bard this Sunday, 11, with Tyler Bard and Noah Cross. But we got to get to baseball. And before we get to, you know, the Yankees and Red Sox and – all the controversy. We're gonna get to the way the Yankees are playing, and yes, despite the loss last night, it seems it seems that this is happens. We we want to we, we want to rip the Yankees, but they win on Tuesday night, and then we, when we want to like praise the Yankees, they lose on Tuesday night. It seems like that's the way it's gone for us this year. This year, you know, when we want to we want to rip them, we, we, they end up winning the, their game on Tuesday, and then when they end up before, before the show, and then when we want to you know praise them, they lose the game. Like they, like they did last night to the Royals. But overall, this team has played really well, and the key to this team. And I didn't think a month ago I would ever, ever be saying this. And Joe has got to be thrilled about this. I can tell you, Joe has got to be thrilled. He's the biggest Gary Sanchez fan out there. The biggest key to this team right now is Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez is the biggest key to this team. I mean, you saw him this week. I mean, had the solo home run, had the uh, had the had the home run, huge home run Wednesday night to uh, to give the Yankees the lead, that three two lead. They eventually won the game three to two on Saturday. He had the big. Uh, solo home run to, to to start to start the comeback on Saturday against the A's. Had the big two run double on Sunday against the A's. So Gary Sanchez has been red hot. And I, ask, I I'm going to ask this question to you, Justin. 
has, has the unthinkable happened? Has Gary Sanchez finally turned the corner? Has he turned it around? I think so. He's gotten rid of that dumb late kick because he was always so behind. And, you know, that RBI, um, the two-run double on Sunday, he took that opposite field. If he's got that late kick, there's no way he puts that into the cap over there. You know, I, I so I think he has. I think getting rid of that high late kick was a big thing for him. I really do. I think the confidence is coming off him now. Um, I know he pitched it last night, grounded out to third, but again, I you know I'm not worried. I think you know I, I think because we've seen it. You know the guy's got so much power, and you know when he's kind of you know um, he's one of the best catchers in the in the sport when he's on. And right now, he's been great. I know the average right now it's it's two forty. I know that's nothing to to you know you know be excited about, but at, at, it was at what one twenty seven like a month ago. So. He's risen. He he's risen up that batting average. So I, I think he has, and I hope you know he can continue because you know now he's picking up the team because the rest of the team's starting to struggle. Yeah, I mean this lineup has got has gotten a little bit better. I mean, obviously you know Lemayu's been a little bit better. You know, Judge got a Judge got a big hit on Saturday. Stanton got a big hit. Stanton got a big hit on Saturday. Gio got a huge had a huge home run on Saturday. So this lineup's starting to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, it's not it's not obviously where it's supposed to be, but they're starting to pick it up a little bit. Uh, and, and and here's another thing, and we'll get back to to, to the Gary Sanchez point. I know that uh, that uh, I, I I understand that uh, that Kyle, uh, Garrett Cole likes likes Kyle, Kyle Kagashioka catch Kagashioka catching him, but let's 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 just stop with that, okay? Gary Sanchez, and I, Joe's going to be surprised when I say this. Gary Sanchez right now needs to be in the lineup every single day, and I never thought I'd be saying this a month ago. But he needs to be in the lineup every single day. I know Higashioka get a home run last night, but he's hitting 191. Can we stop putting Higashioka in the lineup, Boone, when when uh, when Cole pitches? Just put Sanchez in the lineup every day. I want I'll say, all right, maybe if it's like if it's a day game after a night game on a Sunday afternoon, he could sit. Every day he's got to be in the lineup the way he's hitting the ball. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, and I know with um you want to keep Cole happy, and I get that he's gonna be here for the next half decade. But you hope Gary's your catcher the next half decade if he keeps playing like this. You know, and look, you know, Cole should be a great pitcher if it's Kyle Gashioka or Gary Sanchez. It really should not make the biggest difference in the world. I get I get why he does it. I don't like it. I I because now because yeah, this is the problem that Boone runs into. Now Gary's gonna be off tomorrow too, you know, because you know he's not gonna you know, unless the Yankees break that rule of you know the catcher catching day, uh, night game at or at a uh, night game after day game, you know I don't see the Yankees breaking that. And then what are you going to do? You're going to bench stay in Thursday? You're going to say, oh, we're going to get him off his feet for a day? Deaging? Like it's you run into problems. He absolutely should. The only day he got you, you should be catching is on a day game. It you know, it's you know, it, I it's ridiculous. I understand why they do it, but. I don't like it either. No, 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 not at all. And 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 I think the lineup, you know, is going to start because I think now, you know, with Voight back, I, you're going to probably see less less of Odor. Uh, you're going to have uh, Lemayu back at second base. You're going, yeah, you'll see le- less of Odor because what they had to do was they had to platoon Odor and, and Gittins when uh, when Voight, Voight was out. Now now you'll see less less of Odor. You'll get the lineup of Lemayu, Judge, Voight, Stanton, Urshela, Torres, uh, Sanchez. 
and uh, probably Frazier and Gardner in the outfield, and Duar or Frazier and left, and, and then uh, and then uh, Gardner in center. So I think the lineup is going is, is starting to get better. I think what could become a concern later in the season with this team, especially as long as uh, Corey Kluber's out, is the depth of the rotation. Because you saw, you know, Herman not go five innings. You saw Tyone not go five innings. Uh, Montgomery has been up and down. And really, the one constant has been Garrett Cole. So I think the depth in the rotation, we've been saying this for years with the Yankees, is, is, is definitely going to become an issue. And I think they need to get, you know, Luis Severino back sooner than later because I don't know with the depth in this rotation if this team – yes, we know they've they've struggled, but I, I, if, if you're thinking about if they can compete for a championship, I don't know if this team can compete for a championship with the, with the depth in this rotation. Cole is great, but really outside of that, they really don't have anyone else that, that, that can really step up right now. Absolutely. It is a concern, you know. And, you know, even a Cole starts this year, they're 8-7. Like, you know, you've got to be able to capitalize. And it's like Cole's had one bad start, and that was – like three weeks ago in that Rays game where he gave up five runs. Like, you know, other than that, Cole's, yeah, giving you a chance to win every night. Yeah, it, you know, I you know, I think Ty, Tyone's problem, I think, is just getting – he's got to be able to put guys away with two strikes. The Yankees, I think Severino's probably – they're saying now early August, you know. Um, I know that they have guys – but and, and it's like they can't even call up Debbie Garcia. I don't know if you know his ERA's down there, but it's an eight right now. He's getting shelled down to AAA, so that's why he's not getting called up right now. You know, I know like Clark Schmidt, who they thought was going to kind of be part of this rotation, be a spot guy. You know, he's he's been injured. I think he's starting to throw now. You know, I know they have like Luis um, Medina, who's not ready. Like Lucas Gill's not ready. They have some guys who, you know – are getting there, but they're not ready to start yet. And it's a worry, you know, they, they're probably going to have to go and go get somebody, you know, I don't, Kluber try not to be back to August again. And then it's like Tyone's been hurt a ton. You hate to say, it, but at some point he's probably going to have to skip a start or two. He may have to go in the aisle at some point, you know, Herman, Herman didn't pitch at all last year. You, you think at some point he's going to probably start wearing down and, you know, they're going to have to, you know, skip a start with him too, or, you know, once or twice. So, yeah, it, it's a worry. And the Yankees really, you know, they're in a position where I guess, you know, they've taken some misfortune from the Rays that they haven't, you know, after losing glass on, they lost seven straight and they're five and a half back right now. But still, you know, you got to start, you know, capitalizing sooner than later. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, the thing is, is and with uh, obviously Herman, you know, we don't know how long he's going to go. You talked about that. And yeah, this this rotation needs Severino back. And then Tyone, I think Tyone should be the guy who's gone after Severino. I would get Tyone out of that rotation after after, after uh, when, when Severino goes down. I would not have Tyone in that rotation. Uh, so, yeah, the rotations. What were you going to say, to son, Justin? I was going to say I would not mind having Tyone come out of the bullpen for a few hours because I like his stuff. It's just he cannot put away guys with two strikes. You're, 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 you're a big stuff guy. You're a big stuff guy. I'm a production guy, okay? I want to see wins and good ERA. I don't care about yeah. stuff. I don't care at all about stuff, okay? I want to see production. I don't care about their stuff, okay? Uh, yeah, you, you like you like, like – you like the stuff. I like the stuff would... because it's if they can get if they can hit their spots and it, if they're throwing strikes, then they you know they're gonna give you six seven innings day in and day out. But yeah, you know if you can't throw strikes, you're just leaving it over the heart of the plate. Yeah, you know it's it's tough. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, and I think if you look at the bullpen too, I know they didn't pitch well last night, but you know getting Britton back, having Chapman, I still think the bullpen right now is the strength of the team. 
Absolutely. It, it, it is. And Luizic, who's been great all year, had a rough outing last night. But again, Wade do- turns that double play. It's a totally different game, you know, and Wade throws a horrible play, play home. Um, I cannot wait till him and Ruben Odor are, are off this team. Um, but, you know, so yeah, Luizic was not great last night. But yeah, for the most part, Chapman, he got a danger Sunday with another triple play. Um, you know, and then hopefully Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson both started rehab yesterday. So hopefully they're back in about a week. So, yeah, you know, hopefully the bullpen kind of gets even better. And I guess Mike King, you know, technically is more of a reliever than starter. And he hasn't been terrible. They haven't been, you know, the Yankees really haven't given him much run support. But, you know, King hasn't been off when he's kind of giving you some innings, which obviously they need right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it, the bullpen uh, is doing well. The, it's doing well. The lineup's doing well. Rotation's a little bit of a concern. But right now, I mean, I don't mind where the Yankees are at. I mean, the Rays have been playing so poorly. They, they have a shot in this division. I thought, you know, a week ago they didn't. They still have a shot in this division right now. And they definitely have a shot at getting one of the wild cards or even one of those two wild cards. But they definitely got a shot at that as well. Absolutely. And, you know, again, taking two out of three against the A's this weekend is going to be huge because that's a team that's, you know, I know they're one back of the Astros, but that's a team you could be battling with for a wild card spot or even home field in the wild card game. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just, I kind of, you know, the problem with me with this game where they're at right now is it's like, as you talked about at the beginning, last night's a game they should have won. You just come off two straight against the A's and it's like you, you know, you go over 10 last night with runners at scoring position, you lead 13 on it. So you should have won that last night. It's just, for me, it's just a constant for the Yankees of, you know, games that they should win and they just absolutely just find ways to lose. And that's kind of what last night was. They, they got to get to a point where they need to start winning games like that. And it, But it seems like that's been the problem the last two, three years, though. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll get back to the Yankees as we after we talk about the, the, we talk about Wander Franco. We'll preview the Yankee series with the Red Sox, but we got to talk about Wander Franco last night and what a what a what a what a, what a debut! Had a big three run homer for the Rays, uh, but the Rays still lost nine to five due to Rafael Devers with a huge hit in the eleventh inning. And uh, but the big question is Wander Franco. Can Wander Franco come in and turn things around for the Rays? They've lost seven in a row. Is he that bat that can turn things around for the Rays? I he was last night, you know. Um... I've never heard the trap so loud before, you know, um, when he, when he got his name called up to the plate, um, you know, I think he was a spark plug. He's a guy that brought, brought a lot of energy last night. Um, I think he did bring a spark, you know, just some misfortunes last night for Tampa Bay on the base path. And then the bad three Oh swing by Rosarina. Um, uh, but I think he can't cause Wander Franco is a guy that does not strike out a lot. The race had that problem. They're one of the, they strike out one of the most in Major League Baseball right now as a team. Um, you know, he just seemed very confident in that home run that he hit. That wasn't even a bad pitch by Erod. He went down and he he went and got that thing, uh, which was very impressive for a 20-year-old kid to do. He looked confident. He looked, you know, he did not um, shy away from the moment. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, he, he, it was a great. It was really fun to see his debut. To see his debut last night, and we'll be so we'll be dealing with Wander Franco for years to come in the AL East. But we got to talk about the Red Sox, and uh, they they continue to. I mean, they're right now they're a game and a half in first place. He had a rough weekend in Kansas City, losing uh, two out of three to the Royals, but they won the first game in Tampa. We said this was a huge week for the Red Sox. You know, in Tampa and and playing the Yankees was a huge week for the Red Sox. Started off well last night. 
with that win. Uh, and here's a big question. Should Rafael Devers be considered in the MVP conversation? Because this guy has gotten so many big hits this year. I mean, he got a huge hit last night. He's tied for the league league in RBI. He has 18, only has eight, he has 18 home runs, but not as many as Guerrero. But he's tied with the league league in RBI, RBIs with 60. Should we be considering Rafael Devers as an MVP candidate? Because he's been phenomenal for the Red Sox this year. I think so. I think we should be. Yeah, I think we should. I know the average is 281. It's not where Guerrero is. But, yeah, he's tied with Guerrero for the most RBIs in the American League. He's got 18 home runs. Uh, but he's been, yeah, you said it. He's he's had a lot of clutch hits for the Red Sox in big moments. He's been able to kind of deliver. He's, you know, or he's been the guy that's, you know, had a walk-off win a week or two ago. Then he comes back the next night in Atlanta, and he's got two, three RBIs in the first inning, it, you know. He's kind of been the guy either gets him off to the hot start or he's the guy, yeah, in the 10th, 9th, 10th, 11th inning, whatever. He comes up with that big clutch hit. So I think so because he's been a huge, huge success, um, huge part of why the Red Sox are where they are right now. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I mean, I think he's the biggest reason the Red Sox are what they are. I mean, if JD's had a good year, but not as good of a year as him. Uh, Bo, same, Bogars is hit for a high average, but he doesn't have as many RBIs as him. So I think the biggest reason the Red Sox are where they are is because of Rafael Devers. I think he's been the MVP of that team, and he arguably could be could be the MVP of the AL the way the way he's playing right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're absolutely correct about that. Yeah, because he's he's been huge at that at that five hole. You know, because, yeah, Martinez has gone on a lot. Bogart has two, and him hitting behind him, more times worked, than not, he's knocking those two in. Yeah, he's worked perfect. It's completely worked perfectly yeah. for that team. And Verdugo hitting ahead of those. Yeah. It's Verdugo, J.D., and uh, Bogart's hitting ahead of them. Uh, guys who all hit, who all are three good average hitters hitting ahead of them. It's really, really worked for Dave Devers this year. Yeah, absolutely. He's taking advantage of it, and he's not let Alex Cora and, and that team down. He, he's – He's come up with a bunch of bunch of clutches for him. The one thing that could derail the Red Sox season, though, is their starting pitching, and that has been very, very inconsistent all year. You really look at any of these starters: Avaldi, you know, Perez, Richards, uh, Pavetta. Every single one of them is highly, highly inconsistent. I mean, they have no, neither have had terrible years outside of like, Rodriguez had a terrible year, but uh, all have been inconsistent. Do you know a timetable of when Chris Sale might be coming back, and do you think? The Red Sox, one of those, uh, four, one of these four other, one of the four, uh, five, one of the five other guys could step up and be a number two and help this Red Sox team keep their lead in the AL East. Um, Chris Sale is supposed to be throwing a hitter Saturday at Fenway, so he's getting close. He wants to come out of the bullpen instead of going on a rehab assignment and working his way up that way. Um, the Red Sox really haven't decided on that, so I would. It sounds like he may come back. Maybe a little bit after the All Star break is kind of the word right now. If they get that, and, he, and you know, even with their bullpen right now, if he if he just comes out and opens up in the bullpen for a few weeks, you know, as a setup man, you know, I think that makes that team even scarier. Yeah, and the the guy who can step up and be that number two is um, I I think it's still it's you know I think it's got to be a baldy. I know he's not a big strikeout guy. Um, I, you know, he had a rough game, you know, two of his last three starts have not been great against Houston or KC, but I still think he's that guy. He's got the velocity. He's got, he's got the stuff, he, you know, guys put a ball and play a lot against him. He's not going to, you know, he does not have a ton of strikeouts for, for how, um, for his velocity, but he's a guy too, that's been around the league for a while and he's kind of. 
I wouldn't call him the stopper, but he's a guy usually in a big spot that most more times than not, you can kind of um, trust him to give you a, a good outing. Yeah, so so we'll see what happens there with the rotation. I still I still do like Barnes as the closer, so we'll see what happens there. But there's a big series this weekend between the two teams, the two the Yankees and Red Sox. They play each other. It's 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 a it's a big series of for, for both teams. If, if the Yankees they got swept last time, they were at Fenway. They were at uh they were at Fenway Park. So I mean, I, I, what 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 is your preview of the series? What are you looking for the most in this series between these two teams? Oh, I'm looking for the Yankees to show some life. Um, you know, obviously the the Red Sox kind of came in the Yankee Stadium a month, you know, three weeks ago and kind of just stepped all over you. you know, look, it didn't, you know, again, the Red Sox went up 3 nothing in the top of the first, and it's kind of all they wrote, you know, all she wrote in that game, first game. Um, you know, I think the Yankees got to take advantage of Martin Perez, who has not been pitching well. He pitched a little bit better on, um, I believe it was Sunday. He pitched – it was Saturday or Sunday. He pitched better. Um, after, like, his last – Two starts, he gave up six and five um, un- or run- earned runs. So I think he's a guy the Yankees should be able to hit. The Yankees got to be a big advantage for the Sox. Um, you know, kind of how how much how much um you know how much space can they put in from the division lead? I think they're going to probably take two out of three from Tampa. Um, you know, can Erod give him a big start as well on Sunday? How do the Yankees kind of pitch? the big kind of big three of Martinez, Devers, and Bogarts, and how, you know, how do they not let them go wild? And even Hunter Renfro, he hit another home run last He's been night. hot. Yeah, he, he, had a good, he had a good yeah. game last night too, Renfro. Yeah, so it's like how do you kind of slow down him uh, as well right now? So the Yankees kind of how do you – in that middle of the lineup, how do you – you got to keep those guys off base. You got to get like the Danny Santanas of the world. You know, you, you know, Vasquez can kind of burn you too, but – you know, he hasn't been great, but, um, you know, and, and Kike, you know, they had other guys like Kike Hernandez and Marvin Dow step up last time. So, um, you know, how do the Red, or how do the Yankees pitch them? Friday night is Dustin Bedroya night, too. Um, well, the crowd will be so, into it. The crowd will be into it yeah, Friday night. So yeah. that that kind of worries me. I think Friday night's going to be a tough one, but they need to come out and, and they got to, they got to, um, find a way to, to, um, you know, Get get back, you know. Try to close this thing into a, um, you know, like a two three game lead or something, um, in the division to really kind of feel better about themselves leaving Fenway. Absolutely, and you, you look at the you look at the pitching matchups. Obviously, Evaldi uh, Perez against Herman on Friday, Evaldi against Montgomery on Saturday, and Rodriguez against Cole on Sunday. And I think I think the Yankees definitely win the Sunday game. I think Eduardo Rodriguez has been terrible this year. I don't want to hear you talking about his stuff. I think he's been absolutely terrible this season. So I think the Yankees will win the game on Sunday. And then I think the game the Red Sox win is Pedroia's night. They win. They win on Dustin Pedroia night on Friday, and, the, and I think the Yankees win Saturday. So I'm going to go two. I know I'm a Yankee fan. I might be being biased here. I'm going to go two Yankees two out of three in this series. I'm going to go Red Sox two out of three. I know last time I, I had that, and I wanted to say Red Sox it's a sweep, but I feared the Yankees steal one at home. But I, I think the Red Sox steal two out of three. Um, I think they get Friday, Saturday, and I think the Yankees find a way to get Sunday, win Sunday. But look, yeah, you were at Stunk, but they didn't really hit him last time at that Saturday night game. They they got two runs off him, five innings. So I just, you know, I don't I don't really have a ton of confidence still in this Yankees team. I just don't know what team you're, you're going to get. 
And that's and that shows you last night showed you why you don't have confidence, a lot of confidence in the Yankee no. team because they come off you know winning they winning five out of six three on the road against the Blue Jays and then beating the A's two out of three and then they turn around and they lose to the Royals so yeah. that's why you just that's been the story of the Yankee season they've just been so up and down all year it's just been the story of the season so we'll see what happens this weekend big series at Fenway Park but. We got to get to a, a big story in Major League Baseball and a rule they enforced. They started to enforce on Monday about you know players using foreign substances, and now umpires are checking those players. And it came to it came to an ugly head last night as uh, Max Scherzer was Joe Girardi wanted to check Max Scherzer. He requested to check Max Scherzer after he threw at Alex Braun and wanted to check to see if he, and Max Scherzer was not happy about it. He threw his he threw his glove. He was really unhappy about it. Then Scherzer sets the Nash the Phillies down one two three in the fifth inning and then goes and starts talking to Girardi. Then Girardi gets, we've seen this before. As oh, Yankee yeah. fans. Girardi gets PO'd. He gets really, really upset. And, uh, and, and, and the, and he ends up, uh, he, he ends up getting ejected from the game. And the question I got for you, Justin here is, will this rule, how, how much is this rule going to impact the game? How is it going to, you know, like what you saw last night with, 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 with the Phillies and the Nationals, how is this, how is this going to impact the game? How is this new rule going to impact the game? I think it's an impact. I think it's, it, you know, in a way, because it's, you know, I think it's a lot on Manfred and some of it too is on the pitchers. You know, they kind of broke the rules to some of them, that not all of them. Of uh, kind of, they sent out memos and all that before the season started about kind of, you know, controlling it. And you know, I think at some point, I don't think this week, but how do the umps? In weeks prior, I'm going to watch. Like, do they consistently keep checking guys, or is it just going to happen once and then until a manager really kind of complains? Is that when, the, you know, I think you start, you know, is that really going to be only checks coming up? Like, um, you know, so I, I'm kind of interested to see about all that with because it's kind of because you put the umps in a bad spot of, you know, they have to, you know, where. They kind of have to. It's up to them if they want to check or not, or you know, because even if the manager asks for it, if they think it's you know not necessary, they could say no. Um, but so I'm be watching all that. I think another way it could kind of impact is um, again. I think you're probably going to see home. I think at a point too, you're probably going to see run start to go up again. I think you're. I think the average jumped up like ten points from like a week or two ago. So you're already kind of seeing the averages go up. Um, yeah, yeah, may see more, you know, um, you're probably – so I think we're going to see a little bit more offense, which could lead to longer games, which I know the pace of play – pace of play rules is a big issue in Major League Baseball. You know, again, that's probably going to have to be addressed. But, um, you know, I think we're going to learn a lot of the pitchers the next – you know, because right now none of the pitchers are dumb enough to go out there with – any substance on them that, you know, and, and try to pitch this week. But I think it, you know, again, it looks bad for major league baseball. I do think in the scheme of things, it's it, the impact. It's, it's, it's bad that they're doing the middle of the season, but the pitchers asked for it by kind of really taking this thing to another level with all the um, sticky stuff. Yeah, but I don't think all the pitchers asked for. You heard the comments from Tyler no. Glass now last week. I mean, how how he got how he got injured. I mean, it, it, yeah, I think Major League Baseball. It's not a good look for Major League Baseball to put this rule in in the middle of the season to be not to be proactive about it, 
and no, they knew it was going on. They could have been proactive about it and just uh, and, and and had this rule before the season began. No, they had to be reactive like they normally are. How Rob Manfred normally is. That's why he's one of the probably the worst commissioner of the four mm-hmm. major sports leagues. They had to be reactive to the situation. And uh, now that now you're seeing what you're getting. You're getting players complaining. You're getting teams fighting other teams. And and this thing could very easily end up getting worse as as the season goes on. Yeah, especially too because it's like something today. Like you know, I don't know if they're because. I know the Nats and Phillies are playing a getaway day game right now, but again, the David Martinez kind of come back at Joe Girardi today and kind of, you know, go over and make his, you know, go complain about his pitcher and make him go check. You know, yeah, are we going to kind of see managers kind of uh, try to, you know, outdo each other and, and try to, you know, just put on, you know, um, you know, kind of just embarrass each other, you know, after because I think his, you know. The man, you know, because you're gonna know when a manager asks to get asked an umpire to check that opposing pitcher or not. So, yeah, I think it's such a bad look. Again, it, it's that's Manfred for you. He's, I think, you know, I think it was surgery said it too last night. He he just lost total control. Um, I think he said too in this post game that Manfred should just leave there. Just you know, uh, he should just leave his job, which you know, it's probably investing for baseball. But yeah, they they had it. You know, they should have done this in spring training. Again, I, I've seen, I've, I've read a study that the sunscreen and sweat does nothing to the ball. It does not increase spin rate. So I don't know why Major League Baseball didn't try experimenting with this beforehand. But again, that's Major League Baseball. They just, when it probably occurs, they just try to absolutely squash it immediately. They don't really try to leave any wiggle room. Yeah, it's a typical baseball day. It all, it's the all started with Bud Selick, you know, the steroid issue. He swept that under the rug. It's just been a, They've had poor. They've had poor commissioners for years and years, and and, and Manford is, is 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 terrible. And they need to get rid of him. I mean, he needs to go. I mean, it's just and to, to to not make this to make this rule proactive is ridiculous. You know, last year, you know, they they don't even know what what the postseason is going to be. They they, they announced what the postseason is going to be once the season starts. So it's just a total it's a total mess by Major League Baseball. And and they, 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 they I, and, and and I just think at this point, Manford's got to go. Oh, absolutely. And I know it's up to the owners, but again, you know. Again, at some point too, it's like you know you gotta for the better of the game, you're gonna start losing time. You think at some point the owners may wake up and say, "Hey, we gotta get rid of this guy because he's destroying the game." But yeah, he's he you know he has not done one good thing for the game. The only thing good he's done for the game is bring it to London, but then he messed that up though because of the the um, baseball he brought over. Yeah, the game was a mockery. They made, they made yeah. it a mockery. The Yankees scored like you know thirty runs in two games. Was one, one game was seventeen to thirteen. That they made a mockery of the game doing that. Yeah, so it's like the one good thing he tried doing, he messed up. So yeah, he, he's not the one good thing for the sport of baseball. No, 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 and that's been and that, and that's definitely that and that's definitely been proven. But we wrap up talking about some of the big te- two of the big teams in baseball, two of the teams down in Southern California, and that, and that is the Padres and the Dodgers. And and right now, people forget. If you want to ask the question of the average fan, who's in first place in the NL West? It's San Francisco Giants. They played over their head with Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey, and Kevin Gosman have, have have played this year. But this week, the Dodgers and Padres had another series. Uh, the Padres win the first two games. I mean, you Darvish pitched really, really well on a on on on. Uh, Monday night got the big home run in the first inning for Manny Machado, who's starting to get hot for this team. Pa- Dodgers, the Padres have won six in a row. Uh, you know, they've gotten, you know, Darvish has been great this year. Uh, Machado, that's been the key. He's starting to get hot. Tatis, obviously, when he's been in the lineup, he's been great. 
and looking at the Dodgers, the thing with the Dodgers this year, everybody thought how dominant they were going to be. And if you look at their numbers, their stats are pretty good. They're second in run score, but no one's had a great year. Betts has not had anywhere near, near close to having a great year. Neither has Muncie. Bellinger's been out of the lineup. Neither has Turner. Uh, and Seager's been out of the lineup too. So no one's really had a great year. And really right now for the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw is a number three starter. That's clear. That's clear. Clayton Kershaw is not the same Clayton Kershaw. He's a number three starter. Their two best pitchers are Trevor Bauer and Walker Bueller. There's no debate about that. And uh, right now, I mean, my takeaway is if the Giants keep playing the way they're playing and the Dodgers keep playing the way they're playing, you know, the unthinkable may happen. And I think unthinkable may happen. The Dodgers might miss the playoffs. Uh, and because the Padres are red hot, it, it, the Dodgers may miss the playoffs. Right now, Justin, what's your takeaway? What was your takeaway from the, from the, from the two teams from the first two games of this series? And which, which team is in more danger of missing the playoffs, the Padres or the Dodgers? Right now, um, so my takeaway from the first two games of the series right now is, yeah, Padres are 1-6 straight and, you know, in the series. And, you know, uh, Snell was not great last night, but he found a way to get through five innings. And, and you know, he just doesn't have really the strikeout stuff he did anymore. He's just not uh, – did not do a great job of um, managing. That's the one reason. That's what's held the Padres back is Blake Snell's not had a great year. Neither was Chris Paddock. Yeah, that's, you know, Joe Musgrove has been a huge surprise for him. But, yeah, you know, um, the Mets been good too since coming back. But, yeah, you know, they just haven't um, – they they need Snell and um, um, Paddock to get going. But, um, you know, again, the Padres have been able to kind of take advantage. I know, um, yeah, the Dodgers really kind of – some inconsistent play, especially to the Dodgers started out twelve and one, and they looked like they were going to run away, to, uh, run away with things. But um, Dodgers kind of, or the Dodgers have been able to control them, and you know, again, two pretty good games once again in this series. So, um, yeah, you know, Corona's worth with the big two run shot last night, and um, you know, Padres Mike uh, Mark Lance has been great again closing out games. Um, and right now at the moment, I think um. I, I think the Dodgers – I think the Padres are a little bit more tr- um, in trouble than than the um, – yeah, the Padres are a little bit more in trouble than the Dodgers. Because I think when they get Bellinger back and, you know, look, Albert Poole has been a really nice pickup. I think he's got seven home runs against lefties, which is tied for most in, in Major League Baseball right now. The worry for me about the Dodgers is, too, is they're two and six in the Padres. They're 0-3 against the Giants. So you got to start beating those guys. And then also, I think Corey Seager is supposed to come back in a week or so, which is going to help. Uh, you know, they may get um, Tony Gosselin supposed to come back this week out of the bullpen. So I think the Dodgers have so much talent, even though the Padres are starting to play a lot better because at a point they were really struggling against, you know, the other the other teams, not named the Dodgers. And, and, um, so they're starting to play better. But I think the Dodgers have so ta- so much talent. They can stay healthy. I think at some point that team, just, they're just too good for for one of their stars not to get hot. And I think if one gets hot, I think it's just going to, you know, um, I think they all – I think it could get very contagious in that dugout. Yes, we'll see what happens with the Dodgers going forward. We'll see what happens with these two teams going forward. But we have a player that made NFL history on Monday. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. The Seattle management isn't giving you their time of day. What makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Sometimes they're blowing teams out by 10. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter. 
send it to him and say, Bron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. So we got to give Car we got to give Carl Nassib a lot of credit. The first uh, openly gay, uh, first active player to announce that he was openly gay in the NFL. Obviously, he's a Penn State fan. I remember watching him play, you know, in college for Penn State. I mean, he had a big year. He had a really good senior year for Penn State. Uh, I remember him playing for, and, and really a great step for for sports to have a player, you know, openly announce it, announce publicly that he's he was openly gay. A huge a huge step. Our society, it shows you our society is evolving, and and I think that uh, I think this is a, just a huge huge step uh, uh, for us as a society. I'm really really proud of the courage of Carl Nassib. Absolutely, you know, yeah. It, it takes a lot to you know come out and, and it say yeah, uh, come out and. Uh, openly say you're gay in this society, unfortunately, and you hope at some point that you know it doesn't become really a big deal what you know sexuality you are, you know, because you know you're kind of in the same locker room or whatever, whatever, whatever sport you're in. So, yeah, you know, I it took a lot of courage to be able to say that, and you know, um, he he deserves a lot of credit for it. Um, so yeah, absolutely, um, it's a it's going in the right direction, um, as you said, in our in our society. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, as we saw Michael Sam, you know, he he he, played, he was in the NFL. He was an openly gay NFL player. But I'm just I'm 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 really excited. I'm really happy the way things have really evolved. You know, you know, he the, the fact he had the courage to do that. You know, he's been a player, really been all around the league too. He's been with the Browns. He's been with the Buccaneers. Now with the Raiders. You know, the fact he was able to, you know. Be, be, be open and honest about himself, be comfortable with himself to say that. Cause a lot of times, you know, for years and years, people, players would never say that. I mean, 10 years ago, you would never have someone admit that in an NFL locker room. They'd be keeping that quiet to themselves. Now to have the self-esteem to say that I am a huge, huge fan of Carl Lanassa, and I'm really going to be rooting for him this year. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how you, how you can't root against him. Um, yeah. How you can't, yeah. How you could, you know, not root for him. Um, cause yeah, it, it, it doesn't end up a locker room, you know, it, it does take a lot of courage to come out and, and say something big like that, you know, cause yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, more people will come out and say it, you know, kind of, you know, announce it that they want it's yeah, it's a huge step and I'll definitely be cheering for him and, you know, hopefully he does well with the, with the Raiders. It's, you know, we know they, they need pass rushers right now. They need guys to get the quarterback. So We'll be a good step up for him, but yeah, it's a huge, huge step in the right direction. And it, you know, it took a lot of courage for him to stand up and say that. Without question, with that question. Another story we got to talk around, around, around the about around the NFL is, you know, with my New York Giants and Eli Manning is back. He's back with the Giants in an advisory role. He's going to be joining the Giants as a business ops and a fan and a fan business ops and a fan engagement role. And I'm ex I'm really excited the Giants did this. They need to build a relationship. They need to keep this relationship going with Eli Manning. I'm happy Eli has rejoined this organization uh, in, in in the front office and he's going to be helping out. And because he's, I mean, he's been the, he was the franchise he was the franchise quarterback, best quarterback in the history of the franchise. Uh, 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 um, you know, he was the starter for 15 years. Uh, you know, so he won two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. Uh, I mean, just, just, he, I mean, he's loved by all Giant fans. You saw the reaction at the Nets game when he was there. I mean, you saw the reaction he got at that game. Great reaction he got from the crowd. I mean, just loved by by all Giants fans. And he'll be a future Hall of Famer. And uh, I'm just really excited as a Giants fan that he is, uh, that that he's going to be, you know, he's back being a part of this organization. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, 
the franchise record with the team, like 16 years. Um, they, you know, he had a great run for 16 years, you know. Um, and you have to admit that. In, yeah, you yeah, have to admit that. You're rooting for the team yeah. you root for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he had some really, really good years. You know, they won a couple of Super Bowls. Um, you know, he, he was great there. And, you know, I know it. Yeah. You could see that reaction in that game. And, you know, there's a lot of love for Eli Manning. I know at times it was kind of, you know, people wanted to get rid of him, but again, he he's a legend in the job for the in the Giants, um, you know, in the organization. So yeah, it's great to have him back. Maybe he'll find a way in six years too to um get his ne- get his ne- draft his ne- nephew, the next great man. <laughs> Arch Manning, Arch. Where where is he right? What what grade is he? Is he going into college? He's going to be a junior. Junior, okay, junior at the same yeah. high school, right? Same high school that Eli Payne and Cooper played at, right? I believe so. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so gotcha. Yeah. I think he's the top quarterback in that class right now. So. Oh wow! Wow! They already wow, got the wow. praise. Wow! Wow! We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Because it's it's a it's a family business. You got obviously Archie. <laughs> you got Peyton. You got Eli. The only one, unfortunately, didn't make it was Cooper. And, and I heard rumors as a wide receiver, Cooper might have been the best of, of the of the of the four of them. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely a family business being a quarterback, and uh, yeah, we, it'll be interesting to see what 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 uh, Art see what Arch does going forward. And also, though, another big thing that's going to happen with Eli Manning is on September 26th. Mark your calendars, Giants fans. September 26th, one o'clock against the Atlanta Falcons. Eli will be going into the Ring of Honor. Last year, he was obviously supposed to go into the ring. He would have went in last year for the for COVID, but he's going to be going into the Giants Ring of Honor. That is going to be a very, very emotional day for Giants fans. I mean, to 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 see Eli Manning going into the Ring of Honor for all he's done for that organization, really emotional day for them. So, definitely mark your calendars for uh, September 26th. So that's when he, that is when Eli Manning is going to the Ring of Honor. You know, I know Jace, Jay, me and Jace will be very excited for that day. Yeah, so he he absolutely deserves to be up there. You know, he he brought a lot to that organization. Um, he was a great franchise quarterback for him. Uh, you know, there, there's no doubt he belongs up in the Giants Ring of Honor. Um, you know, you, you can't deny that. Um, so yeah, he deserves to be. Up. Are you go? Are you trying to go to that game? I I gotta see. I gotta see. I gotta see. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what the ticket price will be that day? But yeah, it it'll be great. It'll be a great day for for the uh, you know Giants fan base. Oh, absolutely. Without question. Without question. Without question. So we got the NHL playoffs are still going on. Both the conference final series are still going on. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. The Closing Time Podcast is back. Sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. I'm Joe Aguirre. I'll have a brand new co-host, Sanam Salati, who's my broker, my mentor, and my good friend. And one of the most knowledgeable people in Connecticut in the entire real estate industry. We're going to be talking about the latest goings on. We'll keep you up to date on the market, and we're going to bring on some really great guests all throughout this season. People in all different fields in the industry, like accountants, home inspectors, mortgage reps, and so much more, just to give you a better understanding of the Connecticut real estate market. We're so excited for a brand new season of the Closing Time Podcast, part of the CMG Podcast Network. It's sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. Go see Heidi and Glenn Parchman to file your taxes for bookkeeping, business advice, real estate investments, or whatever your accounting needs are, including cryptocurrency. Just visit RockyHillAccountants.com. We'll see you all season long on the Closing Time Podcast. So, so the semifinals in the Stanley Cup playoffs are still going on. And a big game at Nassau Coliseum tonight as the Islanders to trail 3-2 to the Lightning. Uh, they're in a must-win situation, obviously, 
Um, Monday night did not go well f- for the Islanders. They lost eight to nothing to the Lightning, and the Lightning are, sh- are showing you why they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. And I, I asked a question. I, I got this question from you, Justin, and I, and I think you know. I think everyone knows the answer to this. Is there any way the Islanders can win the series after losing the way they did Monday night? I think they can get back to Tampa Bay for Game Seven. I don't think. Wow! 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 I, th- I think I think it's over. I think it's over. I think it's over. I, wow! I for the first three four games, I the Islanders gave them everything they could handle. I thought they were pretty much evenly matched. I thought the Islanders the Islanders do a great job of taking away the middle of the ice and making you kind of go to the corners. Um, we got a, com- we got a comment from Hector. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tampa has more high-end offensive talent than the Islanders with uh, with yeah. Kucherov, Point, and uh, Stamkos. But I do think the Islanders force a game seven. Wow, wow! I think it's over. I don't think you come back from losing eight nothing. I know Davian Woody. He's an Islander fan. He made the comparison yesterday on Get Up. He said that uh, oh, with with the Jets losing forty-five to three to the Patriots and then the coming back and beating him, but losing eight nothing. And coming back and coming back for the next game and coming back and winning the next game. I don't know. I know the Coliseum's gonna be rocking, but I I don't know if they're I think it's over. I think it's over. I think the Lightning uh get back to the Stanley Cup finals tonight. Yeah, and I, I could obviously see that happening. I, well, absolutely. But I, I think a lot of that game the other day too was they got the three nothing. And you could kind of just see Tampa Bay just smelt water, you know, blood in the water, and they just took absolutely advantage of the Islanders, um, you know, then Sir Working came in as the backup. And again, that's a tough spot as a backup goalie to come in down three, nothing. And then the Islanders took 12 penalties and the, you know, they, they took a bunch of penalties and you could see they got frustrated. They were not, you know, Tampa Bay made them um, have to kind of play really up tempo, had to force some stuff offensively and they just couldn't do it. Um, I, I think the Islanders are going to be able to kind of get back to their game tonight. And, you know, I think they're going to play a lot better. I don't think they're going to, you know, there's no way they're going to play as bad as they did the other night. And Hector's right. That first line of point, Stamkos and, and Kucherov, I think point now has like nine straight games of goals right now. Um, you know, he's he's been unbelievable. Kucherov, I think, has like 18 or 19 assists in the playoffs. You know, if you don't have to say much about Stamkos, he's, he's been a staple in the NHL for a while. You know, and what they got with Hedman and – um as a defenseman, look, it's going to be a tough uphill battle for the Islanders tonight, but I still think they could pull out game six. The the, the Lightning have not lost back-to-back games since they got uh, beat by like, Columbus in 2019. They're 13-0 now, so I don't think the Islanders can beat them two in a row, but I do think they get it back to Tampa Bay on Friday night. Wow, wow. You think they're coming back to Tampa? I don't. I think it's going to be over. I think the Lightning – Clinch tonight and, and go and head back, return to the Stanley Cup Finals. But in the other series between the uh, Canadians and the Golden Knights, we sat here last week. We thought the Canadians had no shot after game one. Now, they're one win away from going to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since 1993. And this is and, – and correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time since 2007 that a Canadian team has been in the Stanley Cup Finals. 11, actually, but... Oh, yeah, 2011. Oh, yeah. I, can't believe, I can't believe I forgot that. I can't believe I forgot that one with the Canucks. Yeah, That's like a Stanley Cup that I remember. Yeah, so 2000, the first time in 10 years this will be that a Canadian team has, has gotten to the uh, that has gotten to the Stanley Cup final. And just, and if if, the, if Montreal wins, it would be the first time since 93 when they beat the Kings that a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup final. So, yeah, yeah so uh, the, the place on Thursday night, the Bell Center in Montreal is going to be rocking, rocking on Thursday night. 
for this uh, for this Canadians Golden Knights game. And uh, for me personally, I think whoever wins Game Six wins the series because that place in Montreal is going to be rocking. If the Canadians lose, I don't think they want they want they want any part of going back to Vegas. If they got to go back to Vegas, I think they definitely lose Game Seven. But if it, but I do think the Canadians got a great chance to win Game Six after what happened last night, winning four one over winning four one over the Golden Knights. I got I got two questions for you, Justin. The first one is, what do the Canadians have to do to close out the series uh, Thursday night at home? For the Canadians, they got to continue to neutralize that top line. Their top line has played better than Vegas's top line. You know, Suzuki who came over. Um, who was a big part of that deal to send Max Pacioretty to Vegas? He has bit Vegas back in the in the butt this series. Um, he had a goal and two a pair of assists last night. Um, he's played really well. That top line for for Montreal's played played well. They've kind of knew or that or Montreal's um has played well against their top line against Vegas top line. Um, Carey Price to continue to be. Uh, he's been he's been he's been doing it for years. Players. He's been doing it for years for them. He's been doing it for years for the for the. Uh, for he's the only Canadians. been around for a decade. It seems like he's been around for fifteen I know. years. He's I know, I know, still I know. Thirty, I think. So, yeah, you know, he's he's still got some ways to go. Um, you know, so again, continue. You can lean on Carey Price to uh, make some big saves for you. And then the other thing is, um, the last thing kind of is for Montreal is they did not give Vegas really much any good looks last night, which. Um, I was pretty shocked by. It. I thought last night, after the way they lost, Montreal lost Game Four, coming back to Vegas for a big Game Five. I thought there was no shot that Montreal had last night. I, th- I thought they were going to blown out. They came out and they played a lot better than Vegas did. They made things a really tough for Vegas to kind of get any offense going, um, and they kind of took advantage of you know um, Vegas just missed some shots and you know or missed the net a couple times, a couple shots. I, I really like the way Montreal has been playing against them. Um, and then Montreal too. I think Montreal, the thing about Montreal is they don't have a star outside of Shea Weber, which, you know. Is that um, even a known star? Is Shea Weber even a known star though? He was with Nashville. That, um, oh, the year they went to, they got, they got to the cup against the, against he's the one of the better. Yeah. yeah. He's gotcha. one of the better defenders in the league. Outside of that, they don't have a star, but they have four lines which I didn't think going this year were really that good. But the way they put it into Vegas, they just have four lines they could play against Vegas. And I think the depth of it uh, has really affected Vegas. Because the thing about Colorado is it was really their top line that was really the killer all year. Now this is really, you know, I, I think with all four lines Macho's been able to use, I think it's really bothered the Golden Knights. So, it, you know, they're, they're – Montreal sends the guys back on the ice the way they've been playing. I think Montreal shockingly has a has a chance of winning the series. I think I think they win it in six. I think they close it out uh, on on, uh, on on Thursday night. I think it's Montreal and uh, Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup final. That, that that's my that's my that's my prediction right now. But even though I think Montreal is going to win, Justin, what do the Golden Knights have to do to come back and win this series? They got to lean on Fleury. <clears throat> I know game three made that costly mistake, which is so rare because Fleury is so good with the puck behind, handling the puck behind the net. That was something <clears throat> you don't see him um, do, you know, make a mistake on. He's got to play a lot better. Even last night, I thought last night he was all right. I think there's a couple. Montreal had some good um, odd man rushes and a couple. Um, they had a breakaway too. So 
again, it, it's tough to kind of put on the goalie during a breakaway, but um, you know, if they got to lean on Flurry, Flurry's got to have a huge game. They got to get that top line going, as I mentioned. They got Stevenson back. We went out game one. They got him back last night, which I thought was another key of why Vegas was in a one last night. It didn't really um, didn't really give them that extra boost that I thought they were going to get. Um, you know, and then the final thing too, Vegas is now I think oh for their last like eighteen on the power play. They've stuck wow. on the power play. Yeah, you're not they, winning anything with doing that. No. And they during the regular season too, they're you know, they had 31 um they had 31 power play goals. I think it was one of the tops in the league. They you know, usually it's a very good power play team. They're they're good in um and they get the extra man, but this series and even against majority of the Colorado States, they were not great. They have to take advantage on the power play to be able to um try to force into game seven. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens. You know, you got the Lightning and Islanders on the island tonight in Game Six. You got the Golden Knights having to go to uh, to to Montreal to, to save their season in Game Six, and it's been tough for the Golden Knights these first three years, three of the first four years of their existence. 2018, losing the Cup uh, Finals to, to the Capitals. Uh, last year, they lose in the Conference Finals to the Stars, and they're on the verge of losing in the semi. And, the, and this year, there's no Conference Finals because of the way they structured the season. But they're in, in, uh, they're on the verge of losing in the in the uh, Stanley Cup semifinals to the uh, Canadians. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But we got to wrap up the show talking about the biggest sporting event in Connecticut. That is this weekend, and that is the Travelers Championship. Uh, you obviously have uh, you have Dustin Johnson uh, is twelve to one odds. Bryson DeChambeau for uh, no twelve to one odds as well. Kepka fourteen to one odds. Paul Casey sixteen to one odds. Patrick Cantley sixteen to one odds. Uh, you got Ricky Fowler fifty to one odds. You got uh, you got Phil coming here with sixty six to one odds. So you got some big names here, and I would love to see. I just would love to see Dustin Johnson win a Travelers. I just love to see him go. For, love to see him being in on Sundays and win the Travelers. Him or DeChambeau win the Travelers. That's what I would like to see. Yeah, Dustin Johnson win another one be would be really cool. Um, um, yeah, you know, even DeChambeau, he, he fell apart last week. I um, as my pick to win, but he fell apart last week on the whole time. But yeah, it'd be cool. You know, I know Dustin Johnson's done really well at this course, and um, I, I absolutely would would love to see him win another one. Um, that'd be that'd be great to see. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Obviously, the Travelers Championship. This uh, this this weekend, come out and come out and watch at the TPC Highlands in Cromwell, the biggest sporting event to come to Connecticut. Finally, there's fans that are going to be able to be in the stands. So it's nice to have the big. Because last year we didn't have, we weren't able to have fans of the Travelers. So it's nice to be able to have fans of the Travelers this year. Yeah, definitely. You know, I heard the fight. They had the fighter jets. I heard them go by my house at like 11:30 because yeah, it's about 10 minutes from my house. So I'll oh nice. You see the blimp tomorrow. Have you been and to the Travelers? Have you have you have you been to the Travelers ever? No, I wanted to. I was going to go a few years ago, and I got called in. I think it was on Sunday. I got called in to go to work, so I, I couldn't end up going. But it, it's definitely on the on the to do list one year to go go uh, go one day and go watch this. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up. I've never. I was at an event once. I've never gone to to the tournament. I've been at a, at a, at, a, at an event there. Never been to the tournament though. Okay. okay yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's great, great, great sporting event. I, I'd say the biggest sporting event in the state of Connecticut, but, uh, hands hands down. Definitely, one hundred percent. It is. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's get wrap it up on sports talk with RNJ for our producer Jace Garcia who did a great job, and for Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week. Talk recapping the probably recapping the conference finals, previewing the Stanley Cup finals, and giving you any 
baseball or football news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone, and enjoy the tra- and, and enjoy the travelers this weekend. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck, a grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge, and the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG we have a wide variety of podcasts including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.